What's up, everybody? We've got a great show for you today. We're going to be talking about womanhood from the lens of the world and also the Catholic Church. Welcome to Just a Parishioner. I'm Teresa Marino, your host for tonight. Thank you for downloading today's episode. All episodes are available on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. As you can see, I'm not Lorenz, your normal host, and we also don't have Sean with us, but we have their beautiful wives. Hi, I'm Julia Greeley. Hi, I'm Katie Zaragoza. And we're all kind of co-hosting today because we're having an episode on the topic of women. So, of course, um, the gentleman conceded to us just for the night, and I think we have some awesome topics um, to talk about. So let's get started. Definitely. So maybe just with some intros about where we're all from and a little bit of our background. Yeah. So like I said before, my name is Julia Greeley. Um, I'm Sean's wife. We got married uh, back in December of 2021. So we've been married for about 10 months now. Um, yeah. Just living that newly married life. Is it everything you thought it would be? It honestly is and more. As oh, corny as it is, being married beautiful. is like the biggest blessing. Precious. I'm Katie Zaragoza, Lorenz's wife. Uh, we just celebrated our eight-year anniversary yesterday. Uh, we have four beautiful children, as I'm sure has been mentioned. Um, yeah, no, just living living the mom life, really. Mm. Yeah. That's so beautiful, and I think very <laughs> undervalued in our, in our world today. So I think we're going to touch on that a little bit later. But you are living the mom life. Are you a stay-at-home mom? Yes, stay-at-home mom. Beautiful. Oh, I can't wait to get into that because I had a stay-at-home mom. Julia, did your mom work and and uh, I had a stay-at-home mom too. Wow. Yeah. How beautiful. Yeah, that's the dream. Yeah, me too, actually. She worked maybe one or one, one or two nights a week sometimes, but for most stay-at-home mom. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I didn't even, you know, I didn't know that before we started. What was that just quickly as a little ode to our moms? Um yeah. What, what's something you're grateful for about your mom staying home with you? What could she, what was a gift you received from her at that state in your life? I just feel like even now too, like my mom has always just been so present in my life. Like whenever I needed her, whether I was like six years old and came home from school crying or like I was in college at a party and needed to be picked up at like two o'clock in the morning, my mom has always been there for me and she's my best friend. And you know, working moms, I think that's great too. And women can do both, but I am personally very grateful that I had a mom that was just home with me constantly. Yeah, that's exactly it. I was going to say the being present is, um, what I valued most with my mom. Same thing. Uh, always had a strong relationship from when I was little and now again, my best friend too. Um, mm. and yeah, just feeling that love. I think that's one of the most important things you could do for your kids is just love them genuinely. And part, big part of that is being present. So yeah, yeah amen. for sure. Well, on the topic of having moms who are present, maybe we can just uh, say a Hail Mary before we start. And we're also going to invoke our confirmation saints. I feel like we're, we underutilize our confirmation saints who are really our patrons for life. Um, so whenever I kind of lead prayer um, in the circles that I do, I always try to just give a little shout out to all of our saints up in heaven and our guardian angels. So, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death, amen. St. Clair, pray for us. St. Joan of Arc, pray for us. St. Thomas, Pray for us. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. Would you like to explain why there's saint one male man. saint in that there's whole litany? In this yeah. room? Uh, <laughs> yes. St. Thomas. So my middle name is Jean, Katie Jean, which is my mother's name. So when I picked my um, confirmation name, it wasn't necessarily because St. Thomas was my favorite saint, although a great one, but it was more, I wanted my parents' names in my name. So Jean and Thomas are my parents. So Katie Jean Thomas. Is my name. And now I kind of like that though. That my parents are always in my name. That's just we say. super wholesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, my confirmation name is Claire. Um, wonderful, wonderful saint. But when I was in eighth grade, I was not the most 
religious child. Um, An eighth grader that's not religious? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, shocker. Um, so I did not know who to pick. Um, I, you know, super, super official. I like didn't want a name that sounded weird or anything. I wanted something that was pretty, but I wanted something that had meaning. So I was scrolling through patron saints online um, and I came across the patron saint of television. Um, and I love television. I still do. And I picked St. Clair and actually it's a pretty cool story with her. So, um, when she was dying and she was sick, she couldn't like get out of bed to go to mass. And she was able to see mass like projected on her wall. Like it was a television screen and that was a gift that she received from God. So that's why she's the patron saint of television, which is actually super beautiful. Yeah. Um, like way before they were invented. Yeah. Yeah, I way love before how the church like really reaches for some of these yeah. patron scenes. <laughs> yeah, it's like pick an object, yeah. any object. Yeah, and we'll try to assign a saint yes. to it. Um, but yeah, no, I'm actually glad that I picked Claire. <laughs> yeah, well, she's such an awesome saint. Yeah, and she's got a beautiful devotion to the Eucharist, as you as you mentioned. Yes. There. Yeah. For me, I picked Joan of Arc straight up because she's such a badass. <laughs> I I legit like that was the reason I actually um, had planned to have Bernadette as my um, confirmation saint for a long time. I like had a special devotion to her growing up. Believe it or not, I would. My parents had this black and white video of the song of Bernadette. Have you guys ever? It's like old. My grandparents gave it to me. But whenever I had a sick day, if ever I was home from school, I would watch the song of Bernadette. And I felt like I kind of loved her just like as a friend right. from when I was young. So my whole life, I would like in my journals, like write Teresa Noel, Bernadette Marino. And that was like my thing. But then when like push came to shove, I heard the story of St. Joan and I just thought she was really cool. So last minute I made an in-course correction. <laughs> That's but awesome. she's so awesome. And there have been many, many battles in my life where I have invoked her intercession. So mm. I think that was definitely providential. Yeah. Yeah. So here we are naming all of these beautiful female saints and one and Thomas, one beautiful male <laughs> saint. Um, and yeah, we're all here kind of from different perspectives, but each um, here to share our stories as women, millennial women, Long Island women and uh, and Catholic women. So that's that's a very niche <laughs> like part of the population, I know. Um, but I would just say as American women, there's some pretty broad cultural things that we certainly have grown up with, um, with just any of the influences that we've had in the pop culture um, as people exposed to kind of normal things. I went to public school. What What are your guys' stories with that? Um, yeah, so I went to public school up until high school, and then I went to Catholic high school. Okay. Public school. Okay. All the way through, yeah. So we, you know, and then did we come from Catholic families? Um, did, did we practice with our families? What, just briefly, what's what's the background there with just the culture and then like exposure to religion as young women? Yeah, I mean, I grew up Catholic, like my whole family identifies as Catholic. Um, but now that I'm more formed in my faith and can look back, I see that we weren't actually practicing very much when I was younger. Um, you know, I did CCD didn't retain any information from it. Um, sadly, like the sacraments didn't mean much to me at the time. Um, but, you know, we went to mass once in a while, like if in CCD class, uh, you know, if it was a really good lesson, like my family would get fired up by it and they were like, yeah, like let's go to, let's go to mass this weekend. And that would probably last for two or three weeks. And then we wouldn't go again for like six months, whatever it was, Christmas, Easter, and some in between there. So that was kind of my background. Mm. Okay. Mine was, uh, the, like cradle Catholic growing up. We did go to church every Sunday. Um, my grandmother went to church like every day. My mom never misses mass. So we always went to church every Sunday. So yes, we were brought up hmm. Catholic. Obviously my perspective on it all has changed and value and appreciate it way more than I ever did. But yes, we definitely never miss mass growing up. Hmm. Yeah. Same, same for me. Uh, mom and dad were both passionate about the faith. Um, actually, my dad was my mom's confirmation sponsor when they when they became engaged. My mom went through uh, finishing her sacraments. She had just been baptized. That's oh, awesome. So she finished her. Oh, I'm sorry. She received communion too, but she finished her initiation with my dad as her sponsor. Oh, wow. That's beautiful. Yeah. That yeah. Really nice. So, um, yeah. So he, he was the impetus kind of for my family to um, lean into the faith, but my mom was very much a part of it growing up. And I think she really grounded me as a, as a faithful woman, uh, cause she had a lot of practical advice. Um, there was a lot of stuff she like didn't put up with. And I think that was good for me, you know, 
Um, and then there was a lot of stuff that she was very empathetic and very um, had like a tender heart for. So um, as a woman in faith, I, I respect and admire her a lot because I think um, allowing my dad to kind of um, bring her to that first step, but then her continuing it and finishing it. And, and to this day, um, she likes to do Bible studies and there's a lot that she does, you know, without him. Um, but, but she kind of allowed him to hold her hand in that early stage. And, and that takes humility. You know, mm-hmm. the older I get, the more I realize sure. how hard that could be, um, from your family of origin, making different choices. So God bless yeah. converts and reverts yeah. and all the verts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, just kind of uh, circling back to this idea of our exposure at, to concepts of femininity. Let, maybe let's stick with that word of just being feminine. Um, and and what did that mean to you as a young person? And was there maybe a defining moment or a defining season in life where it kind of shifted to become more Christocentric? Um, yeah. Yeah, I can go yeah. first. <laughs> um, so like I said before, I, you know, grew up Catholic. I'm putting air quotes around that if you're listening. Um, but I feel like I wasn't really practicing. And, uh, you know, you go through puberty, you get into high school, college and all that. And there's just like so much pressure around you. And like, you just feel like the world is telling you, you need to be like a certain type of person. And I feel like I caved to like peer pressure a lot, um, as a woman and, you know, I think that I heard a lot of like, uh, you know, women need to be strong and they need to have like super intense personalities and like you can be better than men, but also like you're a problem solver and like you need to fix things. Uh, women are going to change the world, like that sort of thing, you know, girl women power. Girls, yeah, girl. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like that attitude, right? Yeah. So that yeah. became like my entire personality, I think, throughout high school and college. Um, And then I did get involved in campus ministry in high school, actually. And uh, I feel like I was kind of living like a double life for a while because I was like the campus ministry kid because I really loved hanging out with like my campus ministry friends. But I wasn't I didn't go to church like consecutive Sundays all throughout high school. And I was the, the girl who was like, I don't need to go to church to be a good person. And I just I didn't understand like what church meant. Um, And then. I will just say in kindness to your teenage self. Yeah. um, Having worked with teenagers and preteens, a lot of them have that desire, but they don't have a driver's license. (laughs) So just in, in charity to your younger self, you know, that's, that's, that's a piece of it is, is that we don't have the, the authority to bring ourselves or the, the ability to as well. And I know that, um, you know, that factors in. I didn't mean to interrupt you, no, but just no, I'm like good. feeling compassion for younger Julia. Like, oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. no. Um, yeah, that was definitely the case for like three quarters of high school. Mm-hmm. But even when like I was a senior and I could drive, I just didn't want to go because I was like, I'm a good person. Um, but then I got to college and everything. And, you know, I feel like a lot of young women, college age, we're all just like looking for love. And a lot of the times you look in the wrong places. Um, so I just was dating like guy after guy and like searching for that love that now I know can only be found from God. Um, and I feel like my womanhood kind of revolved around that, like trying to find a relationship with like a strong man and it never worked out. Um, but the defining moment for me, um, was joining Newman club in college, Um, And I met some really amazing people there, including my husband. Um, And he's actually in the room as we're recording this. So I feel a little weird saying it in front of him. Um, But he's one of the people who is like pivotal for me in my journey. And just seeing somebody who is like living such an authentic Catholic life. I've never really seen that in a person my age before. Um, And it made me want to change like the way that I was living. And of course, I had like really good priests, too, who... uh, made me question a lot of things and think and open books and Mm. open the Bible. Like I'd never really done that before. Um, but yeah, I feel like personal, personal relationships is really what made everything change for me. And then going on from there now, you know, I try to like read as much as I can listen to podcasts, like do that sort of thing. And I'm constantly learning. I'm still learning. This was only 
I'm going to be 25. This wasn't that long ago, um, but I feel like I've come a long way. Yeah. Wow. Praise God. Yeah. Can I just follow up with a question there? Yeah, definitely. What is maybe for the listeners who are interested in learning and growing more in their faith as young women, um, a book and a podcast that um, affected you greatly that you would maybe recommend to another person? Yeah. Um, I'm just going to throw a little plug in here that the last episode that I was on with just a parishioner, we actually did a whole episode on uh, good research, good resources for when you're trying to grow in your faith. And we talked about a lot of books and podcasts oh, and that that's sort excellent. of thing. Yeah. So check that out. Um, but actually a book that I read within the past couple of years, like rocked my world. It um, is The Privilege of Being a Woman by Alice von Hildebrand. Mm. It's an amazing book. Um, she's a Catholic woman philosopher, and she just talks all about women's role in the church, um, the example of Mary, what the world gets wrong. Yes. All of all of it. Um, and then a podcast. Um, I love the Abiding Together podcast. I like, if I could put a hundred dollars down, I would have said you would have said that. Yeah. Cause it's, it's excellent. So yeah. many, so many good holy women they were yeah. edified by that. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, and then I also, before I listened to that one, I was listening to the Catholic Feminist podcast. Mm -hmm. um, that one, uh, it isn't alive anymore, but you can go back and listen to like hundreds of episodes. There's oh, wow. some really good ones in there. Awesome. Thank yeah. you so much. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. And how about you, Katie? So I would say, um, yeah, so I grew up cradle Catholic, like I said, um, going to church every Sunday. But um, I think when my mom, I guess, wasn't in charge of getting us to mass anymore, that's, I didn't go. <laughs> so that was mm. probably, I don't even know <laughs> when that was, like if it was middle yeah. school, if it was high school, but it became, yeah, where it was like more your choice to go to church. Obviously she would invite, put the invitation out there, but it wasn't like when you were little, like taking your kids to church, you have to do this. But so I guess that choice, whenever that was, um, I stopped going to ch church and stuff. So I guess I became more distant in my faith at all. Not that even when I was going as a kid, I could say that I was like, felt like this, like, I mean, what little kid really gets it, I guess you could say. Um, so yeah. So those hard, like high school years when we're talking about like femininity and feminism, it's hard. Cause I obviously didn't have the, um, outlet of church and God on my mind. So then you are, you're, you're, you're a victim to the, to the culture and what it tells you. So, and TV and everything. So music, uh, which is in my mind, how you said you felt it was, um, like, uh, having to be strong and like yeah. the view of what a woman should be, I guess mine more was like, uh, they had to be, you had to be like beautiful and almost like when, like how you sexualize a woman, I mm -hmm. guess like in mm -hmm. like the high school college years, it's like flaunt, like flaunting and whatever. If like you got more that stuff. It. Yeah. Like yeah. that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Like just having to like have this beautiful look on the outside. So it's mm. like within that you're obviously doing things that, you maybe shouldn't be doing or like whatever going down a not so great path. So, I mean, making those college and high school mistakes as we all do, I guess at one point, but so I guess like where it shifted for me, I feel like you hit like a rock bottom and I definitely did like, right. Like right after college, I hit the rock bottom and that was like, right when I met or met again, we like to say my husband now Lorenz. Um, and I remember just getting out of bad relationship, like everything was just like a turmoil downhill. And I was just like, didn't want anything. I didn't want a relationship, nothing. And then Lorenz walks into my life and I pushed back hard because of everything I was going through. But then we obviously, that was the beginning of now an eight year marriage. And I'm so grateful for that. Cause like Julia said, her, her husband was a pivotal part. And so, so was mine. Um, he, was going to church still every Sunday. And he never like pressured me or said it was something I had to do. It was very much like my mom, like the invitation was put out there, but it was different because this time it was the person now that I loved and cared about that I wanted to like spend my life with who was actually, and, and a man, I guess it makes it a little different when it's like the guy who's, who's going to church, you know, like mm. putting that forward. So like just seeing the example in Lorenz, like just going every Sunday. And then soon I just, started to go with them. And then 
at that point it was around like Hurricane Sandy, also around when um, Father Brian came into our parish newly. Mm. So another big part of like my faith shift was definitely had to do with Father Brian. Like his sermons can be very impactful and relatable, which was what I needed at that time because I was very much at a, at a bad place. And then mm. just getting back into it and just hearing him talk sometimes and like, I remember crying at so many of his, of his homilies because of just being able to relate. And then just like from then on, just being hungry for like God and Jesus and faith and just loving that. That was like the start of the journey of was my relationship and then my marriage. And then I remember us getting married and thinking we were like, we were very involved or catechists or Eucharistic ministers and like doing everything side by side, me and Lorenz. Um, But then like now, even looking back from now with like kids being involved, it's like another step. And just like, you could, there's always room for improvement and just like to grow and become, and you said like reading books and podcasts Mm -hmm. is what helped you. I'm not a reader and neither is my husband, you know, (laughs) probably read a total of two books between us in our lives. Um, So I cannot speak on the articulate like quotes of books or podcasts or anything like that, but Um, I guess going to mass as frequently as I can. I remember just when I had Lainey as like a baby when she was my first and I just would try to get to mass every day. And it was nice, like just having that morning routine with her. And then like, Mm -hmm. I remember falling out of that, having each child, like just not being able to get out of the house anymore to get to like the morning mass. But like recently I just started getting back into that again because now two of them are in school. So now we do the whole morning routine. We go to 9 a.m. mass and like, I guess that's where I try to like is prayer and just being present with the Lord is where I kind of grow in my faith Ah. and with my family, bring them in. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. That is, that is so infinitely important in a way that you'll never know until you get to heaven, which by the way, you both said without saying the, the purpose for marriage, which the world never speaks of is that the spouses, um, help each other get to heaven. That's, that's the, the end, the end of marriage. Right. Um, and the fact that both of your, uh, spouses, um, even in your twenties and thirties, you can, you can see that effect that they're having, um, as men of God, right. Leading you closer to heaven and into the heart of the father. Like, yeah, definitely. How beautiful and, and, um, properly ordered that is. Right. I was talking to my students. I teach, um, middle school religion and we were talking about what it means to be ordered properly. So if something's ordered towards God, it means it's in its right place. Like our mm-hmm. priorities are in order. And so often we never um, speak that way because I think part of that kind of worldly perspective is there is no order. Like my order is what I make it. Your order is what you make it. But we know in our bodies and in our hearts and in our minds, we have faith and we have reason. So without faith, anything, you know, prayer related or God related, we really can defend the truths of, of the Christian faith, because it makes sense. It's reasonable, um, intellectually. And, um, if there was an awakening for me, it for sure was like an intellectual one. I love the language of it. I love being able to articulate what it is exactly that makes sense about something. And the fact that you guys are sharing experientially that there is an order and a rightness to our bodies and to our relationships with men as women and the fact that you guys, um, to work, to use a controversial word that scripture uses submitted to the process that God was, was holding out to you. Like you guys both said that invitation, that inspiration that came from like a Holy spouse. Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. That's, um, that's what it ought to be. So I just like, I'm so blessed to just hear your stories and I'm sure it will bless all of our listeners as well tonight and whenever and wherever they're listening. Um, and it takes a strong woman, like they say, it takes a strong man to wear pink, whatever. Yeah. Like <laughs> it takes a strong woman to, um, to know that her worth is not in competition. Um, mm-hmm. but just to allow herself to be, um, delighted by the strength of her, her spouse, like how beautiful that is for you guys not to be threatened in your strength. You just have different strengths. Yeah. There it is, you know? Yeah. No, I love what you're saying. And what you were saying before about how like Katie and I, we both, um, you know, kind of grew 
the most in our faith after like meeting our husbands and all that. It's like something that's so tangible. And I think that like when you're married, you like, you know exactly what that feeling is. Like where that person that you're with, they just, you know, they make you want to be the best version of yourself. And that's because they're living the way that (coughs) God intended them to live. And, you know, you're experiencing like Jesus through your husband. Um, But at the same time, they're experiencing that through you. So, you know, like God created man and woman to complement each other. And um, that wasn't an accident. Right. Yeah. And I just like touching back on what I said before, like having the experience of kind of living a life without God as present and like making those mistakes and having the view on what being female really meant. And then to having that now my husband and just how that whole shift, like that shift that I guess I didn't really like talk about. Um, it was so great. Cause it's like, like you said, you have to love God to allow that shift at first, mm-hmm. obviously like have that realization, but then obviously having like, like the person there. Yes. Us, fortunately, our husbands that like help within that shift. It's like being able to, uh, like hold your hand in, in that, like, like Lorenz was able to love me for who I was, for all the brokenness that happened, happened before. And like, obviously, like, like I said, like before we were talking before recording, like bringing that all to God, like, obviously, like I had so much guilt and whatever from, from past relationships and past experiences of what I viewed being a woman maybe should be, or what the culture says. And then just like knowing that our God is loving and forgiving and that it's fine that I bring it to him. I'm forgiven. And then I, and then to just have that also in my spouse, that true like forgiveness and love is just makes that transition so much easier. Like that I was able to be in that dark place, come out of it, obviously through the grace of God, but then also with the person I'm now married to, it's like just having that genuine acceptance of my brokenness, loving it anyway, and then just helping me on the journey, you know? Mm. For our single lady listeners, um, (laughs) could each of you give from your married perspectives, maybe one or two nuggets of something about marriage that has like delighted or surprised you something maybe you've learned that you wouldn't have expected as a single person. Um, or maybe some advice of like, hold on to hope of marrying a godly man, because if you do, this is what you have to look forward to. Something like that. Yeah, definitely. Um, I saw this quote the other day and I'm definitely quoting it wrong and I don't know where I actually saw it, but it was something along the lines of like marriage kind of holds up a mirror to your face and shows you kind of like, (laughs) I don't want to say like what's wrong with you, but basically like what you need to work on. Um, And I have totally experienced that in marriage and like, it's been difficult, but it's also been like a huge blessing. And I feel like Sean and I have grown together so much. Um, and, and it's I, only been how many months? 10. Good, 10. Goodness. But, so, <laughs> so much growing to look forward yeah. to. Sean yeah. and I have known each other for like seven or eight years now though. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've only been married for 10 months. Um, and yeah, just that whole like mirror effect. Like when, you know, I'm doing something I shouldn't be doing. Like he'll call me out on it and I get so mad about it, but I get mad because he's right and I'm stubborn and I don't want to change. Um, and I'll, <laughs> I think I do the same thing for him. Um, so that's something in marriage that I'm like, oh, wow, like this is tough, but like it's necessary because this is what's going to get us to heaven. Um, another thing too, is that like for the single ladies out there, I feel like when I first met Sean, um, I was like, oh, like he's so cute. I just want to like impress him. And that was my mindset. And that was always my mindset in relationships. Like I just want to impress this guy and like show off whatever it was, um, whether it was like the way I was dressing, like the way that the world tells you to dress, like tight clothes, crop tops, whatever like girls were in college. Um, the way that, you know, you wear your makeup, do your hair, just all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I wanted to impress him at first, but then I like got to know him and I got to know his heart. And then there was just this shift, um, that can only be explained by like the Holy spirit. And it became less about impressing Sean and more about, oh, I need to become the woman that God wants me to be so that I'm good enough for Sean. 
Not that like, you know, I'm this like awful person and I'm not good enough for anybody. Like that wasn't my mindset, but it was more like I need to grow so that I can be the type of woman who can like marry him and get him to heaven. Um, so I feel like if you're out there just like, you know, waiting for the one, I think that, you know, you have to wait for the one who's going to want to make you be a better person so that you can get them to heaven. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, Lorenz and I spoke at a pre Cana recently and, um, we obviously nothing to hide and being honest about our relationship, but like we lived together before we were married. So one of the things we told this, these couples was, um, one of the, one of the big questions you're always asked right after you get married is, so how's married life? And I feel like that kind of like goes with that question you just asked, like maybe something after being married, what would be the difference or change or something? And I guess for us, because of living together before being married, which is something we always say, we look back on, we wish we could have changed now that mm -hmm. we wouldn't have being like gr more grown in our faith together. But, um, there wasn't a lot of that. Oh, it's anything's different. Like, cause we already like experienced a lot of the first before we were even married because we were living together. So like, mm. um, so in that sense, it was like, like I always thought when people ask that question, well, it's a stupid question. Like it's the same, obviously again, a culture of like very much like everyone lives together before they're married. And like, obviously we were victim to that, but also not saying oh, that's like we had, we had our choice and we made it, we lived together. But now looking back, we definitely would have liked to change that because there should have been, like I told this group where there should have been, I should have woke up married to my husband and felt like different and had like these new experiences. But, but obviously like, I think for us where things definitely changed and shifted was when kids came into the picture. That was obviously like, the, the big difference. And, um, we spoke about like just our journey with having children and like one of our, uh, defining moments as that brought us closer together was after experiencing our first miscarriage or like we actually had two consecutive miscarriages, like one after the other. And there was a moment in the car when I was just like breaking down and I was like, you, you should divorce me. Like I can't give you children. Like I was just felt so broken mm. and like, I didn't know if I, I could have kids. And I, like that moment was definitely like the first change and like what was different in our marriage. Like, because right there uh, we knew we were enough for each other. Oh, he, yeah. he like obviously was saying I was crazy. Like we're in this together, but like we kind of accepted at that moment that, if we couldn't have kids, if God wasn't like, if that wasn't part of our calling that we were, we were good enough for each other that we didn't need children to have this fruitful marriage. And maybe we were called to adopt. We weren't sure yet, but like, uh, praying on it and everything. And like, now we have these four beautiful children, but like how you said, like the perspective shift mm -hmm. of how you thought, um, like wanting to impress guys with what you wear and yeah. all that stuff. And my perspective shift wasn't necessarily becoming married it was definitely when I had kids. Cause like you said, I guess you have this view, like you have to be thin and beautiful and makeup and the right makeup and everything. So when, after having kids, like realizing, wow, that is just the per perspective shift there, like makeup, like having a six pack, six pack abs, like all that mm -hmm. is like, the perspective shift for me was like, no, I, I, it's not the six pack abs. I want to just be healthy. I mm -hmm. want to be there for my children. I want to have a healthy body. It doesn't have to be the six pack abs that I had in like high school and I was doing like sports constantly, but like, I want to be healthy for my children. I want to be there for my children. And another perspective shift on like makeup too. Like my whole, I like don't wear makeup anymore and not because I don't have time, which is definitely one of the reasons. But <laughs> at, at the same time, like my view on makeup has changed too. I don't wear it as much anymore too. Cause I don't want to like for my girls, I have three girls and mm. I want to, I don't want them to think that you have to wear makeup to be beautiful. Like me and Lauren's always just do this thing where like when they dress up, they're like, aren't I so beautiful? It's like, you're always beautiful. Like, or like, we'll use the word fancy. You look so fancy. Cause we don't want <laughs> yeah. to just say like, oh, I just love because yeah. you're wearing a dress, you're beautiful. Like mm. you're always beautiful. Like, and I, and so like, that was definitely another perspective shift. Like, I don't want to 
like make them think that makeup is where beauty lies. It's who you are within. And that, that was obviously like very much Jesus and becoming close in our faith is because what he wants of us is like loving our neighbor, loving him. Like most important, how do we do that by acts of just being a good person to people and that's what's most important, not how you look. Spending that time and like the amount of time people spend on like doing their makeup image. and, yeah. and mm-hmm. their image and like hearing about it, it's like, that's not where I want to spend my time, you know? And I kind of want to show that to, to my daughters, especially um, that example that it's not like the beauty is the kind of person you are and how kind you are to others and being genuine. And like, that's where the beauty lies. Like mm-hmm. we've all know we've met the most beautiful person on the outside, but they're ugly on the inside and then sure, vice versa, yeah. like someone who might not have the looks going for them, but they have like the nicest personality or these great people. And then maybe are beautiful in your eyes after you get to know them. So it's like, no, I don't want them to have that kind of image of the perspective shift definitely changed for me with kids. What's, yeah. what's so interesting about both of your kind of testimonies about how things changed for you. You both kind of mentioned the externals, um, having a deeper attachment to the worldly externals before, um, that depth in your faith, which is interesting because it's kind of sounds feminist, what you're talking about in a worldly sense, the like, stop shaving your armpits and no wearing makeup (laughs) and you know, whatever. And it's like, um, there, there, there is a, I think the word is detachment. There's like a healthy, um, step towards detachment from worldly things that happens when we're more attached to heavenly things, to to the things that are not seen, which are so much more valuable, which is what you both shared. If I'm uh, articulating that properly. Yeah. yeah definitely. Um, but I love that because what you're saying is like holiness, uh, you know, you guys becoming holier women, um, is what gives you that worth. And then the detachment becomes a lot easier and mm-hmm. how beautiful of, of a goal that is, um, for a lot of young women who may, be really attached to those things because there isn't a depth. Um, yeah. So to not place your value on the outside, which is, you know, what the world says, but I think the words like independence and autonomy are really stressed. And for me, that's a, that's a sticking point that I dislike because in the same way that you don't want beauty to have this kind of weighted, um, this, this weightiness with your daughters. Like, I don't want to feel like I can't be, like I have to be independent. God himself is a Trinity, a communion of persons. Mm-hmm. We are made for community, period. That's how we're made. So the idea that any of us is independent and autonomous is, is a silly, it's a silly notion. Like we live in a community. We, we can't fill our gas tanks without someone, without the, the gas companies, you know, you know what I mean? So like, even if I'm driving to work my, myself, we're all doing that. Of course, like we're not saying that, um, you know, to, to not have responsibility. Um, but I, I dislike that as a woman and there was, uh, some moments in college for me, and this is kind of, I don't know, it's interesting that it's stirring this up for me. Um, I took a, was it a psychology or a sociology class in college? And, um, the professor was kind of like very blue collar. He came, he had like a big Fu Manchu and like wore overalls (laughs) and construction boots. And his whole story and shtick was that he was, um, a refrigerator delivery man for years. And he was very blue collar and his back was hurting. And he just realized it clicked for him. Like I need to become white collar so my, I can live to see my kids. So at the same time that he was doing um, all of this physical manual labor, he was going to school at night, saving money um, and getting his PhD in sociology, which always impressed me. I was like, what a cool guy, you know? Like, And so he was just way too cool to come in in like a button up shirt. Like he just had like as a priest friend of mine likes to call it mountain polish, like dirt under your nails and just Mm kind of like, he was a rough around the edges guy. And that's the way he taught his class. So he was not PC. Like he came in he was like, men are like this and women are like this. And at the time that really um, graded against my sensibilities as a woman who was more worldly, like you guys have described college, college certainly will do that to you. Right. Um, So we were in this class and he had um, a list of traits, like two lists of traits on like a T-chart. And one was like feminine quality traits and one was masculine traits. And they were stereotypes, right? The the gentleness, compassion, kindness, um, nurturing was obviously women. And then the strong, intellectual, um, independent was men. 
And he, and before he kind of revealed that this was men and this was women, it was sort of evident, but he said, pick the traits that you most desire to have. And everyone, including the women, all picked the masculine traits, including the women. And like, without him saying this, I felt offended for women. I was like, why does no one desire to be compassionate? Why did, why is it a shameful thing to identify with the traits that I am? And I felt like what could be less feminine than me just wanting to be all the things that a man is. And in that moment, I think I realized what real feminism is for, for me, which is to be proud of being a woman and not to want to be a man with everything that I say and don't say with my life. And that was a huge shift for me. And then after that, when it came to dating and things like that, I just wasn't a jerk about like, if he wanted to be a gentleman, I would let him do that. And I would say, thank you. I wouldn't say, no, I got it. Thanks. Thanks anyway. Um, and it like, it was a total shift because it was like, I saw him as wanting to honor me as I should be honored. Um, I saw my dignity differently and I wanted, I, I wanted the people that I was romantically interested in or, or in any other sense. Right. And my dad was always a gentleman. He would always carry heavy things out to the car. And there were points in my life where that really bothered me. I'd be like, dad, I got it. Please stop carrying my guitar. And I didn't like it. And he wouldn't listen to me like, and whatever, that was a whole other thing. But I really went through a phase where I, I felt degraded and I felt belittled by like men trying to offer me their, um, it's not charity. It's not, it's like, really, it's like honoring me by, Mm -hmm. by doing things for me. And, um, I feel very differently about that now. And I think that little social experiment was kind of, uh, one of the moments for me, um, that, that shifted. But, um, I think it's so beautiful the way you speak about your husband's, um, with such grace and with such like tender love. Um, I think that's so other than what we see in the culture, which is just women ragging on their husbands. Like, oh, he's so stupid. He can't do the, this and that. <laughs> that drives me crazy. Oh it really me bothers me too. Oh my gosh. And oh, yes. I think, I think what it is, and you guys tell me what your theory is. I think it's just an overcompensation because there were so many women for so many years that really felt belittled by everything in the culture. It was very masculine heavy, but now we've really overcorrected to this other side where everyone has to be masculine in order to be like, have respect. And I really don't espouse that view as, as a Catholic woman. And, um, I don't know, I, hearing you guys share about how much you, um, love your husbands because they're masculine is very edifying for my soul just as a woman, because, um, yeah, I just think that's so seldom, voiced where we're really hard on our guys these days because I think it's just become so normal. And I think we should try to shift that. So I appreciate that you guys are already kind of doing that. Yeah, Uh, definitely. It's crazy. Like as we were getting married too, or just like being newlyweds, how many people are like, so for example, we were at the airport. Um, we just went to Ireland in September, which was really fun. Um, on our way home from Ireland, there are these two women from like I don't know, Wisconsin or something like that um, behind us. And I opened up my phone and my background is our wedding picture. And she saw the picture and she was like, oh my gosh, how beautiful the newlyweds. And I was like, yeah, like we actually got married like nine months ago, but yeah, thank you so much. She was like, oh, do you guys have a dog? No, we don't have a dog. Um, she's like, oh, just, just wait until you get a dog. Then the dog will be your baby. Like, forget about your husband. Like that sort of thing. She kind of said, I'm not quoting her correctly. Um, but she was basically saying like, oh, just give it some time. Like you'll get over him. Yeah. Mildly appropriate to say to a stranger. Her and her friend like laughed about it and they had such like sweet Midwestern personality. So it didn't come off insulting, but I was so insulted by it. Yeah. And I feel like you scroll on like Instagram reels or whatever. I don't know if you guys do that, but sometimes I get sucked in Mm. and there are all these like anti-man, anti-husband reels where it's like, oh, like when my husband does this and the woman like rolls her eyes, like, can people just, I don't know. Like you should, you should love the person that you marry. Like, is that such a crazy thing to love and respect the person that you marry? And you should be proud to say that to other people and not feel like I'm, you know, 
a jerk if I like say how much I really adore the person that I've chosen to commit my entire right. life to. It's yeah. funny. Why Loren- Lorenz and I call them the just wait people. Yeah. Cause oh. throughout. Yes. Yeah, are there so many? Oh my gosh. It's the just wait people. That's what mm-hmm. we've, we've labeled them. It's, it, it's, it's, it's a, everyone. <laughs> it seems like, because we, again, we could go back from when Lorenz and I started dating. It's like, Oh, just, just wait. And then it's like, you kind of are, are engaged or married. And it's like, Oh, just wait till you're married for like, five is years. The, is the implication just wait yeah, and like get old? Like yeah, you'll like, get sick of being married. Yeah. yeah like okay. kind of like all what? this, like the honeymoon, <laughs> the honeymoon phase is so short lived. It's yeah. like pretty much over before you're even married. Like the, that's like the mentality. These just wait people yeah. have that we call. And then, and then the next, and then me and Lorenz are, are still waiting so, right. that, Still so, nine, ten, so eight, eight years, years later, later, four kids <laughs> later, and then it's like, well, you're pregnant with your first child. It's like, oh, well, just wait till that baby's here. Oh, you're never going to sleep again. And then it's like, well, first child's here. I sleep wonderfully. And then it's like, oh, wait, wait till you have two. Wait till it's always just, just wait, just wait. Yeah. Never like a positive, n- nothing ever positive. Rarely do you come across those positive people like Again, like you could obviously with the husbands, it's like about marriage and being happy, but then, and then, and then take it a step further to when you have kids, like, uh, oh my goodness. Like the well, negative, now you're the negative, that on your but, that, but that's <laughs> your exactly it. It's yeah. like, it's one thing to have that negative view about your spouse because right. apparently a lot of people hate their spouses, but which is just yeah, comical I mean, to me. Scary. But, but at the, at the same time, it's like, then you bring the kids on board and then the amount of people who just speak so negatively about their own children is kind of even mm. more is more heartbreaking to me. Cause it's like, well, well, I mean, you chose to have these, these, it's just like yeah. it, these, uh, it's just, it's so frustrating. Cause yeah, you get into that. Um, but no, like, yeah, just like the kids and how the whole negative notion around kids, like you'll never sleep again. It will ruin your marriage. And Oh. Blah, 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 blah. Like those people, you, you, you hear that, or like, how do you, they'll see me right. with one, two, three kids. How do you, how do you do it? How do you do it? And then did you get, you hear, um, did, did, was there a shift in the joy after you announced like maybe your third or fourth baby? I'm from a family of five and my mom said there was a real difference between oh. I'm pregnant the first time, the second time, the third time. And now everyone's like the fourth time. Right. Do you know oh, how this happens? And they would make really nasty comments to my parents who right. just were, open to life. Right, right, right. Um, oh my gosh, yes. And uh, have you, have you experienced that at uh, all? Not I hope like, not. I guess neg- yeah. negativity, it's just more of like, you're crazy, more of that yeah. kind of thing. Like, um, you yeah, have your hands crazy. <laughs> right. And then, yeah. yeah. And going back to like what I was saying before about what I meant, like for us, it's like a calling you, 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 and God's calling you to have children as a, as a, a woman and a wife. And then it's children said, and embracing all of that and having a lot kids. Of people don't realize too that the vocation is marriage and family life. Right, mm-hmm. exactly, right? and that's and that's so what it is. So if you're called is. to marriage, you're, yes, you're called to, to be a parent. Yeah. Have children, and like, I guess <laughs> when I used the word choice before, it sounds touch like the touchy stuff. I meant like you chose to get married and have kids, right, like right. more than like not have kids. Obviously, you right. should always bring life into the world. Yes, but, understood. <laughs> yes, but like- um, We can talk yeah, about that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, <clears throat> no, like, it's just funny how it's like these choices people make, like ha- get marrying and having a husband and doing whatever. And then it's just, why do you hate it so much? Yeah. Like- for, Well, can- <laughs> Sorry. You, you go, no, no, you go first. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> so for us with like the kid thing, um, as we were getting closer to our wedding and like- right after we had so many people like loving family members to wonderful people who have been like, Oh, don't have kids yet. You have to wait to have kids. You're going to be so tired. Once you have kids, your life's going to be over, go travel for a year. Like just don't have kids yet. And we're like, why? I mean, we don't have kids yet, but we want, like, we want kids, you know? And why, why wouldn't we want that? Because kids are a blessing. Um, and what Katie was kind of like, touching on a little bit is that we live in a world that tells women that if you have a kid, your life is over. So, you know, you shouldn't have kids. You should liberate yourself from that. Um, Mm. But really we're privileged to be able to bring children into the world. You know, there's no other um, gender that can do that. And to speak on that about you saying how 
yeah, they, they're saying, oh, your, your life is over as you know it. And because that's a, the big thing. Yeah. Like, travel now. And then it's like, why can't you do that with your children? Like, yeah. bring them into the mix. Like, our lives have not changed in that aspect of, like, what we do. Sure. We still, like, like we were never big travelers to begin with, Lorenz and I. Um, but we do our little staycations. We've always done that. That was a big, well, we take the kids and each year we're adding on another one, but like, and, and, and it's funny cause I see that so differently as to the way people tell you like, Oh, like have your fun now. It's like everything's so much more fun. Have your fun now. with them. Yes. Oh my it's goodness. now that they're like a part kids of make, it. Like yeah. I don't remember life without my chill. Like the oldest is five. And like before five years ago, I don't remember like how joyful, like the, how they just bring so much joy and like to everything, like just holidays or like how you felt when you were a kid again, like that mm. innocent, like pure joy, like all of that is brought back when you have kids, like just like the love and like innocence of just seeing things through their eyes, like bubbles and just leaves on a tree and birds and squirrels and like mm. things you just kind of totally dismissed becoming a, a secular, like adult, like you just, sure and they just find joy in everything and just like seeing all the beauty of life and just everything through a child's eyes is like, why wouldn't that bring joy to anyone? Like the simplest things going to the beach, like the waves, the ocean, just like, they, they just love everything. And, and it's just nice to kind of like bring that back into you because you should be more aware. And we tend to like kind of separate ourselves from all of that. And then it, it brings it all back. Like kids bring that all back, all the simple joys. Yeah. And you guys, you and Lorenz are, the only friends that we have that say to people like you shouldn't wait to have kids. You should have kids. Like your life's going to get better when you do don't wait, like you're going to waste time and then you're going to regret it. So we're thankful to have like a set of friends that actually tells us that because it's so rare and it shouldn't be. I have, um, um, a person in my life who got married late in life and had kids late in life. And that was her choice. And, uh, she has a baby and she's such a, such a beautiful, good mom. And I think the reason she waited is cause she was the oldest of a big family. Mm -hmm. And so she kind of was a little scarred by mm -hmm. like having a lot of duties with her little siblings. Right. And, um, she sort of alluded to that, but she said, now that I'm a mom, I regret waiting so long because it's so much more beautiful than like bartending and doing the things I was right. doing. Not that there's any, you know, problem with doing those things, but the, um, I mean, I'm not a parent, but she was sharing with me the joy and the fulfillment I have from being a mom. It doesn't compare to any of the career things that I was doing. And, um, I was kind of sad and happy for her to hear that, you right. know, like I was so happy that she, uh, was finally able to like, um, become that part of herself. I, I think, yeah, it's a beautiful testimony that you share about how beautiful kids are. And it really, really is a narrative. We are not, we are not told yeah. <laughs> as women. Right. Um, yeah. So thank you for that. Um, why, why, why do you think, um, well, I'll, I'll, I'll ask this. What is it about being a mom, um, that has uncovered like parts of you that you, that you never knew were there? Is that an experience that you have? Um, um, like becoming more of yourself as, as a mother, is that a sense that you, that you get? Yeah. I, I guess it's more of, um, bringing you back, like I said, to, I guess, feelings that are lost as just you getting older. Like I always knew I wanted to be a mom. I'm obviously blessed enough to be able to be a stay at home mom. I use that because I know it's hard these days. Very like, hard. usually yeah. need a double income. Um, so I'm so blessed that I could fulfill what I've always wanted. I've always wanted to be a stay at home mom. Um, so I guess like to me, it, it was so natural. Like I just like, that's what I wanted. Like, like I always say like people want to be, a fireman or a police officer or a teacher. Like I always wanted to be a mom. So hmm. the fact that I am now and like get to be a stay at home mom and like fulfilling what my dream was, it just like, it does feel very natural for me. So there's no, I guess, surprises in that way, but just the whole, like the feelings, like I said before, of just bringing all the simple joys in life back to reality, like that you lose is becoming an adult. Like that, is is truly just 
something that I wasn't expecting to be so impactful, I guess. Like just those, uh, like, yeah, the simple joys in life, just seeing it through children's eyes is just, is so great. And what I, one of the things I love most about being a mom, just watching them grow and experience life and everything that God has created in this beautiful earth. And they like love and appreciate it. And they appreciate all the little, all the little things. Yes. I can relate, um, a little bit, not the same way being, um, being an aunt. So I have two little nieces, one's four and one's two, and they are just the light of our family. Like when they're in the room, no one else is there (laughs) almost to a fault where it's like, Hey brother, it's like nice to see you too, but I'm really (laughs) happy to see your babies. (laughs) But, um, that's not, that's not how it is. But I will say, um, it calls me to be absolutely the best version of myself when I'm around them. Right. I'm not using certain language that I shouldn't use. I'm trying to see the best in other people. I'm treating my siblings and my parents with the love that they deserve all the time, but I'm trying to model for them what all those, um, what all those virtues should be. And I don't hold myself accountable to that all the time. So I think it's interesting that in a world where we don't really cherish children, um, and we don't cherish and value the idea of, of innocence, that we're losing our innocence more because we're like not reminded of it as much because there's not as many kids around to be our best selves in front of. So that's something that I um, noticed about myself was like, wow, I think I'm a better person around them, you know? And because we're kind of being more selfish um, in the sense that self-centered, I'm serving my needs and I'm waiting longer or maybe just deciding not at all to have um, children, uh, near or around me because it doesn't serve my desire to save money or travel or buy a bigger house or move up in my career or whatever those things are that we value above life. Um, I think it's actually holding us back from the potential of, of being our most, um, our most liberated in the sense that we're most conformed to Christ. Like, um, so it's just, uh, you know, you're sharing that with me. It's like, making me think about how I've changed just in the four years that they've been present. Right. For sure. Um, That's yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Being your best self. Cause, and, and, and that's for sure what I try to do every day is just being my best self to lead by example and, and doing it in a genuine way. Like I'm not yeah. going to like be someone I'm, I'm not, you know, and, but, but, but that, what that person is and, and a big part of it is our faith in this house. And like, I'm just grateful, like I said, for Lorenz for kind of us instilling that early, kind of getting where we are now, like in our faith before we had children. Like, I'm glad, like, so we could, they're just like kind of born into it, like mm. born into this faith filled household um, and leading by example and doing it genuinely. Like, we go to church as a family, like, and we go to weekday mass and, and, and praying before meals and praying at night, like just trying to like, not, and like I said, doing it genuinely, not because like you have to, or, or you think like, you know, this is how you, you get them to heaven. You have to, you have to do this. It's like, no, it's like genuinely because we want to, and we love it and we love God. And we want to show that love we have for God to them, the genuine love that they should also experience. Cause I feel like that's one of the things that, me growing up, I felt it was lost and the disconnect. And I guess why I didn't feel at all like connected, I guess, to God and like a more loving relationship type of way as a child is because you're not, I, I guess I didn't have people in my life kind of using the example of more of, as like a relationship with God, you know, mm-hmm. like having like someone you could like this loving God, like that he's always present, that you could always talked like it was just more of like what you have to do what you, you go to church you have religion classes like you pray mm-hmm. at night when things like but now I I kind of that that's the one thing I'd like to have different for my kids is more of like growing up where it's like it's this relationship this genuine love that they can they can that's tangible for them that it's not just because we have to and we're telling you to do it it's like because we genuinely want to so you should too, because it, it makes you fulfilled. It makes you happy. You know, like someone said to me recently that rules without relationship equals rebellion. Hmm, that's and good. Yeah. So yeah. rules without relationship equals yeah. rebellion. And I was thinking that's so true. And I, it was a mom who had a bunch of kids talking about it, instilling the faith. And she was more about the relationship and her husband was more about the rules. 
Right. And um, so much so that she would have to remind him, did you play with the kids today? Oh, because man. if you told them what to do, but you didn't play with them, now they're getting a lot of rules from you, but they're not uh, loving you. They're not feeling loved from you. So she would make him stop like, and there's absolutely, it's beautiful to have a family rosary, but if, if he was like doing the family rosary over playtime, he would do the playtime first. And then there would be an outpouring naturally of like togetherness that would lead into prayer. So I just thought that what wisdom from like a real mom and dad who were doing it. Um, so I, you guys are doing that too from what you're sharing, you know, which is right. awesome. Yeah, just being genuine. You don't, you don't want to like talk the talk. Yeah, you're, you're walking walk. the walk. I mean, come on. Yes. Yeah. No, no, stop. <laughs> 